Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a new partner, Arostia, a new coffee roaster based in Queens. This company was created by and is run by a huge fish fan, Andy Hollander, who hasn't caught a hold your head up since 12, 15, 95, but is definitely not bitter about it. I've had this coffee and it's really great. Andy started roasting coffee during the pandemic, taught himself, and then that turned into this label, Arostia, which launched late last year. I had a bag of the Ethiopian coffee and it was gone really quickly because I liked it so much and I drank a lot of it and I need more. The beans were grown at an altitude of 2,100 meters above sea level, which contributes to a dense bean that continues to develop its flavors after the roasting process is done. The tasting notes include apple, raisin, and caramel, and there are more coffees coming very soon. So support this fan-owned business and try the coffee today. And for Osiris listeners, there's a 10% discount code on the site. Use the code OSIRIS at checkout for 10% off your order, and stay tuned for the launch of a coffee subscription. You can order and sign up for the mailing list at arostia.com. That's A-R-O-A-S-T-I-A.com. And you can find Arostia on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks, Arostia. Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out MagicalMysteryCamp.com slash HelpingFriendly to learn more. Osiris. Hello, 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 and welcome. Hello. Hi. Hello. 
Hey, how are you? Hey guys. How are you doing? Good. Good. I hope you have a good time. I hope everyone had a good time last night. That joke needs to come back in 2022. Mm-hmm. Come on. What's going on here? A funny um, joke. Eh, it was a 2021 slash 1983 joke. Nothing else. Odd years. Um, this is the Helping Friendly Podcast. Live on tour, recapping last night at Deer Creek Amphitheater. We will not be calling it anything other than Deer Creek Amphitheater. I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. It's Deer Creek. Have you been there? It's Deer Creek. We're just going to change the name again on you. Yeah, we're now like the fifth name since then. Is that right? Was it Comcast, Wireless, Klipsch, Roth, Verizon? Jiffy Lubes. I mean, it's so silly. It's Deer Creek. Like I have the ticket stub from 2010 when I think it was Comcast and every theater I went to that summer was Comcast. It was like Comcast theater at Great Woods, Comcast theater at Hartford, Comcast theater in the cornfields. I was like, just give them their unique name. Shitty internet amphitheater. First date. (laughs) (laughs) Underpaid customer service staff per state, you know? Um, that said last night, fish played deer Creek. That's what we call it. And we are going to be recapping the show here today. Um, we've got two fantastic guests. We're going to bring one of them on here shortly, um, to talk through last night's show. We'll be speaking first here with Mr. Ben Gardner, friend of the pod, returning guest to the podcast here to recap. He was on last summer to talk through, one of the Gord shows, which I went back and listened to those Gord shows recently, and they just sound like a fucking dream. Like that first night, just take me away. You know, I know that this is a controversial opinion because a lot of people complain that it was too quiet, it was too slow, which meant it was bad. You know what? I like quiet and slow music from time to time. Do you guys? Oh, yeah. It was a real vibe now that you're saying that. I kind of remember that. I like total, total vibe. I have yeah. whole albums committed to that sort of sound, so why not? It's like a huge chunk of my collection. We already have two podcasts that are starting in addition to the Helping Friendly podcast, the Helping Friendly Sandwich podcast, the Helping mm-hmm. Friendly Weather podcast. We're going to start a Helping Friendly Ambient Jams podcast because regardless what Kevin Hogan says, who has just entered the podcast chat, we need ambient jams in our life. And that <laughs> Gord show last summer, that was as ambient and as jammy as possible. Um, we will also later here in the show be bringing on um, Mr. Paul Ohorovic. I'm, I, I really hope I got your name right there. Paul Ohorovic. I'm terrible with pronunciation. Please, please, please forgive me and, for, and, and remind me when you get on the screen uh, at Poor Life Choices. He'll be joining us as well. Paul's, I think, playing a set at Deer Creek here uh, today. So we'll be, we'll be talking about that. But before we get to all of that, Megan, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks. We had a really fun pre-show hang last night. We did. People missed good it. Time. They should really jump on for these pre-show hangs. They're so fun. You sang happy birthday to me, both of you. Sort of. <laughs> kind of. A little bit. It was the thought, really. It was the thought. Oh, man. I was it. not on key or on pace, but, you know, nobody expects that of me. You I just counted talked. it off. And they went I counted like it off. I'm not a drummer, Jonathan. <laughs> we know <laughs> That was clear. <laughs> uh, Jonathan, how are you? 
I am well. I'm pausing, taking a break from recording music to talk about music. I will admit I have not listened back to the show, but I listened last night, and that more or less counts. You think an architect ever pauses architecture to dance about architecture? Absolutely. You know, they take vacations to go look at buildings in other cities, and then when they see the giant cathedral, and they're like, um, Kevin raises a really great point that you just put on the screen. One of y'all nailed yeah. it down with the Z. I wonder, was it you, Brian? Was it you? I don't nail oh, any song picks. Okay. I've never predicted anything correctly in Fish in get, My Life. Get the envelope out. That's my pick five from last night, where I had Down with Disease, No Men, and Ruby Waves. But more importantly, at the set break, emergency set break hang wherein we had to discuss the breaking news of the no repeats thing being busted. Um, right as we were wrapping up, talked about what they were going to open with, and we were like, oh, down with disease, probably. And then I said, no, you know what they'll do? They'll do no men. They'll do down with disease. And I don't remember what else I said, but they did exactly that. So, Jonathan, exactly you that. are like right there right now. You're just in the zone with this stuff. <clears throat> yeah. If only they that set break play. hang was was fun. We talked about how fish should play David Bowie. I had a baseball bat. Dude, um, I tried to get on. Stuff. I had some technical difficulties. Okay. Daughter had my laptop. I was like, "What's happening?" And then I was like, "I'm just gonna listen later." That's fine. That's really fun, That's though. Fun. I did you see were you missed, that. but <laughs> don't feel bad for missing it. <laughs> it was an impromptu. If fish hadn't played in cavern, we wouldn't have done it. But yeah, yeah to Megan's point, we are doing, and as Harold. Larkin says, kids, LOL. With a kid in the pick. I get it, man. I feel it. Kids, totally. LOL. They Pretty get in the way fun. of everything. Every time I don't respond to you guys when Fish does something amazing mid-show, it's because my son is using my phone to play a video game. Full stop. <laughs> um, kids, just get him his own phone, man. Come on. He's at this point, phone. I feel like I should. Um, as Megan pointed out, we are doing these pre-show hangs. We will be doing another pre-show hang today, 7 p.m. Eastern. Before the band takes a stage, or not even before the band takes a stage, in advance of the webcast showing up on your TV screen. So you don't have to be super stressed out. You don't have to sit there and be like, oh my God, is this actually happening? Uh, do I have to watch this while also watching fish? Like, when will I know? We're just going to give you some time beforehand. We're basically the equivalent of you standing in line waiting to get into the venue and you want to have a hang and a chat. And that's what we do. And yesterday, Listener to the pod, I don't know if they're in here right now. Cinnamon posted an incredible question that we're going to dive deeper into, but I'd encourage people to check this out on YouTube. They asked, um, after Fish goes away, whatever that happens, will there be this like Fish carryover of cover bands and tribute bands and, and artists playing Fish's music in the same way that there is for the Grateful Dead? And we, we went down that rabbit hole, but we're going to continue to go down it a little bit tonight. So it should be fun. 7 o'clock Eastern, basically the same spot. You'll find the link at Osiris Media. Um, just, just look for us near the Akron family flag. That's it. <laughs> right there. God, that's look a good that. flag. You'll find us. That's a good flag, man. Um, before we go live, though, I do want to tell you all. We are Sorry, we're before, we are live. live. Before we jump so, into yeah. the main portion of our conversation here with Mr. Ben Gardner, have I mentioned he's a friend of the pod? Because he's a friend of the pod. Mm-hmm. Very yeah, good friend yeah. of the pod. We need to get like a friend of the HF pod shirts. I think that that would be good. And have all of our guests wear them. Cool. Who wants to do merch for us out there? Come on, someone. T-shirt that says friend of the pod. 
like just no specific podcast, just friend of the pod. I thought that was a good shirt. I think that that's the um, guys from Crooked Media, the uh, Pod Save America. I think because I think it's their font, but this would be friend of the HF pod. So you're not just a friend, you're a friend of the helping friendly podcast. Different. Yeah, we have a lot of friends. We're going to have to make a lot of those shirts. A lot of shirts. Um, let's do a contest. Ben Goodrich would fi- buy one for sure. Faux show, as he says. Faux um, show. All right. I want to tell you all about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD, which I enjoyed quite a bit of last night, let me tell you. Their smokable hemp products are for the very, very young and noobish deadheads and the very old, very vet, very bitter during tour fish fans. Searching for mellow body highs. Smoking CBD has all the benefits of high THC cannabis without the paranoia or the anxious side effects. With nine different strains from this year's harvest, there is something for everyone. Hawaiian haze is awesome for an outdoor show. Cherry abacus is best for the end of the night, which I should know because last night at the end of the show, I was like, I don't really know what to do right now. I put some cherry abacus in a pipe. And I threw on Obi-Wan Kenobi and I was like, I am just in my zone, right? I'm nerding out completely in a totally different way than I was, but also in a very similar way. All of the flowers grown, cured, and trimmed by Sunset Lake CBD farmers. And even better, Sunset Lake CBD's farm-to-table approach gets you great pricing on a premium CBD flower by shipping it directly from their farm to your door. I already told you my personal experience. I just, I love Sunset Lake. We got, we got stickers, we got salve, we got gummies, we got everything, tinctures, everything you could possibly need. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code HFPOD for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned and Vermont-grown. And I will just tell you one thing, okay, one thing. A very good friend in town about a month ago, I shared with him some Sunset Lake. He then ordered some Sunset Lake. And not less than three nights a week do I get a text from him that goes, Brian, I'm like relaxed. But I'm present. This is the greatest stuff I've ever used in my life. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I know what I, I know what I'm talking about. You know, I don't I don't chill for anything but the good stuff. So before we bring Ben on, I, I was you know rooting over here in my little sticker stash to find that uh, Sunset Lake C- CBD sticker. I have a big pile of stickers, and I'd like to feature another one that I found. This is Ooh, a classic right here. Look at that. Classic. The classic. The OG. Which. Goes hand in hand with Jacob Yorba's question. I don't know if any of us are qualified to answer. Maybe Jonathan is. Who came up with the name for the podcast? I mean, it, it was RJ, RJ and or Brad. Um, yeah. I'll give them cre- both credit because they are the founders of the original Helping Friendly, Friendly podcast and uh, created what has morphed and grown into this you know, juggernaut you see before you. <laughs> You see it before you. You know, it's crazy. Like as someone who has come up with a name for, I think like six or seven podcasts now, you can put a lot of thought into these things and then you like release it to the world and they're like, huh? Or like, why didn't you name it this? Like helping friendly podcast just like came out of the air for these guys. It's, it's absolutely perfect. Um, all right, let's get to the show here. We're, we're just we're just jamming right now. We're gonna bring on Mr. Ben Gardner to kick <laughs> things off here. Ben, welcome to the podcast. How are you, man? Doing well. How are you guys? Great. Doing great. Hey, man. Nice to have you here. 
Uh, we're super happy to be back, and uh, it's always good to be at Deer Creek. It's a destination, I think, for a lot of us fish fans, and definitely for us uh, Midwestern fish fans. So looking forward to the next two nights, but last night was fun, a lot of fun. Last night was fun. We're going to we're gonna dive into it, but tell us, so we spoke last year at the Gorge. You went to Deer Creek last year. Where are you at kind of in your headspace driving to Deer Creek, coming off of 2021 fish coming off of two four show runs where are you at thinking about fish heading to last night's show uh you know brian as i've told you i try these days not to have expectations but it's impossible we're always looking at set lists and of course thinking about the no repeats are they going to do repeats or they're not but um i was just excited because i think we saw a lot of the momentum from 2021 carry over to mexico and um MSG and, and certainly in Alabama and Charleston uh, to start the, the spring tour. Um, you know, they can, they've shown, I think over the last uh, couple of years now that they, you know, they can insert second set jams into the two or three hole in the first set. Um, they, you know, really anything's on the table. Um, and, you know, that's just a really exciting um thing to to think about going into any show so um and i think we saw you know some glimpses of that um you know we can certainly go song by song but i thought everything's right you know kind of got some of that second set space early um but it it almost feels you know trite to kind of bring it up as if it's new because they've been doing this you know consistently now uh, over the last couple years so uh obviously the midwest and, and indiana it's uh you know, a lot of cornfields, a lot of uh, nice farms driving through. So you can focus on the shows as you're driving, uh, driving in and, um, you know, not a whole lot to look around at, but that's okay. It's the Midwestern charm. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a nice drive and it was nice to settle in, uh, get to a lot, a few hours early and, um, just enjoy, enjoy the pre-show vibe and, and get in. Uh, for us, you know, the, I, I would just finish by saying the, the nice thing is, I love the lawn at Deer Creek, but um, we scored some pabs this year. Um, so it was nice to not kind of feel rushed uh, before the show heading in. You know, you know, you got your seat and uh, uh, really looking forward to that again the next two nights of just being able to relax and enjoy uh, the festivities outside before heading in. Really can't be overstated how nice it is to have a seat in the venue and just be able to walk in at your own pace and not sit there and be like, I got to get in to get a good spot or I'm going to be behind one of those giant barricades that holds up the roof at, uh, at Deer Creek. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's something else. And I, I don't remember what year it was, but at some point I crossed over to like, I have to be in the pavilion. I just, I have to, I can't, I can't do anything else. So I, I feel you there, man. Especially nice. down in Deer Creek is just so fun. And they haven't had a really great one on spring tour yet, I don't think. So it's just a special place. Well, I, I, you know, I can't speak, obviously, for Alabama and Charleston, although I read that it was kind of a limited pre-show scene. So I, I think you can feel that um, kind of sense of relief and you know, gratitude, I think, in the hours before the show. Um, I, I personally think that Deer Creek is the biggest shakedown that I have experienced. I know there are some others that rival it, but... Um, yeah, you can definitely, you can definitely feel that shift and it was a really, you know, special feeling in the air. I'll never forget the first time I went to a Deer Creek shakedown. It was my first outdoor fish show and I was just like 
what is happening. It was just, it was so awesome. It's, I love Shakedown Street. So, and I love pre-lot hang. So I think it's so fun. It's such a special place. I'm glad you're there. The weather is kind of decent too, which is always nice because it can get hot in Indiana. It is. This is, uh, you know, upper 70s. It gets, I, I am one of those weird people who gets excited looking at a low of, you know, 53. Um, <laughs> so so I, I think uh, it, it's just perfect. And, uh, you know, maybe a little sunburn, but that's okay. Um, I, I, I I really could not have asked for better, better weather. And uh, we're expecting even better weather tonight. And I think maybe tomorrow, too. So. Yeah, it's it's really nice to not have to worry about. Uh, is it going to be ninety five degrees? Do I need to? I mean, obviously, we encourage everyone to hydrate and, and drink plenty of water. But um, you know, we're not talking about heat stroke weather or anything like that. So it's it's really great. Yeah, when I was there in twenty ten. It was aggressively hot, and I think twenty twelve they played at the end of June, and I, I seem to recall it was like one hundred and three and just like dense, Ooh, dense humidity. Um, That's hot. <laughs> We're still in a nice time of year in the Midwest. Like I, I grew up in just outside of Chicago and the, the weather at this time of year is just like, it's perfect. And then it just like slowly gets awful and it's awful for like two months. And then it's really nice again. And then it's awful for like nine months. It's an amazing place to live. Um, speaking of the shakedown, speaking of like, you know, the vibe there, I, I was thinking as I was watching it, you know, like you, Ben, I, I just watched the Alabama and Charleston shows but one thing I took away, you know, you turned on those shows and when they showed the crowd, it was very sparsely populated, even like as the show began. Last night was the first night when the show comes on and it's the stay tuned. It's the camera from the crowd looking out at Deer Creek and it's packed already. Mm-hmm. And we're like 30 yeah. minutes before showtime. And it really hit home, like to your point, Megan, like there haven't really been shakedowns. There has there's been kind of a weird lot scene. Like Alabama was just crawling with police officers. Charleston, you had to take a bus into the venue. This is the first show of the overall tour and really the first show since Chula Vista last year where there's like just a normal, you pull up into a parking lot. There's a shakedown street. Everybody walks in. It's, it's wild how like you can't, you can't beat MSG, but it's wild how like that setting in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the country, you pull up into a parking lot. There's a shakedown street. You walk in, the venue is just like, buzzing with people how much that changes things and last night felt at least from afar like there was kind of some elevated energy going on yeah it kind of took my breath away when i turned on the stream i was like oh my god it's deer creek like just kind of (laughs) (laughs) well and you could feel i think there was a lot of um sort of curiosity about um what the crowd might look like because I know some people were speculating, you know, based on secondary ticket uh, markets, it might be undersold and, you know, people love to say tickets on the ground. I didn't see that. Um, I I think there is a lot of demand. In fact, shout out to the uh, barista at the gas city uh, Starbucks on the way down. I convinced him to, to go to his first show. So I think a lot of people did that last (laughs) year. Um, And yeah, it wasn't sold out, but you could see kind of the only big, uh, only, only like real space in the, on the lawn was kind of the upper, uh, uh, left corner looking back from the pavilion. Okay. Um, and so I, I think, uh, um, you know, there might've been other spots I could, that I couldn't see, but it, it was packed and, and, 
you know, that communal vibe really came through. It was a sing-along night. Uh, and sometimes, you know, that's kind of, it, it sneaks up on you, but that, those are fun. You know, I, I really, I think you can also hear it on the soundboard, uh, like Ruby waves, everything's right. Um, chalk dust. I mean, the crowd's loud, uh, lizards, lizards. I couldn't even really hear Trey sing because the, the crowd was so loud. Wow. Um, so everybody's fun. It, it didn't take away from the music. Um, I love it. So yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Well, before we dive into the the show here, I want to bring on our second guest to get his take on the on the vibe here, and then we'll we'll dive into the set list here. So we're gonna bring Paul on. Paul, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're hey, doing Paul. All right, man. Thanks for coming. All right. Thank nice you much. You. Nice to meet you. How's it going for you, man? It's going great. Last night was a phenomenal show. I had just yeah, yeah. such a such a fantastic time. Danced my ass off. Sang along. It's great. A lot, a lot of worse ways you could spend a Friday night than dancing your ass off and singing along to a fish. Show. Oh, that's Sounds for like sure. A lot of fun. Paul, I want to, I want to ask you really quick before we dive into the show here. You're, you're playing gigs in the lot, I believe, and I wanted you to uh, just get a chance to tell everyone where they can find you before the show yeah, is I'm tonight a- and tomorrow. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually not in the lot. I'm, there's a area at the campground, the close by campground. Oh, perfect. Um, and uh, I'm gonna be playing there. Uh, three o'clock today, and then something like that tomorrow as well. Killer man! So I'm just That's doing uh, solo acoustic stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm really cool. excited. So the close by campground is that correct? Yep, yep. Awesome, really good awesome. vibe over here. Anybody who's staying over there and is uh, tuning in, please go ahead and check out Paul from Poor Life Choices. We want to make sure that uh, it's a good crowd because that uh, that'll be a, that's a fun way to to get yourself into a sh- into the show vibe is that pre-show jamming. I love it. It's a good way to get tuned. So good way to yeah, get and if you tuned. have and if you have any other instruments and want to jump up with me, I am I am more than welcoming. So hell yeah, awesome, cool. love that. So let's dive into the show here. So Fish comes out and they open with Theme from the Bottom, which we were sharing in our text chat last night. It's one of my favorite openers that the band plays. It, it has that just like slow creeping build. I really prefer this to when they play it midway through a set. Like I, I love a theme anywhere, but like just such a good way to set the tone. They opened up 528-2011 with it, one of my favorite shows of early 3.0. But they also opened the first show at Deer Creek with Theme from the Bottom, which was really cool. Um, ben, what were your thoughts on the opener here, and kind of how did this get you into the show? Yeah, I I really uh, have to second what you said now. Uh, this is, I think, my first Theme opener, but um, give it to me as an opener anytime. Um, I, I've seen some good ones. I saw the Miami 2014 um, in the second set, it got pretty uh, out there, but this was this is really nice. I, I, you know, I, I always felt like Trey was just really comfortable, not feeling like, oh, you know, is this going to lead into a jam in the second set? Do we need to meet a certain standard? It was nice, slow, relaxed, and what I love about an opener is when you can when Trey just gets to that really melodic place in his solo. Um, and peaks and you get the first real crowd eruption of the show right off the bat. Um, he was able to do that and it, it was just the perfect vibe. Um, you know, and, and obviously toss in the lyrics. Uh, it, it has special meaning. Um, anytime you can come together with 25,000 people like that. So 
Yeah, I'm a huge fan. I really liked it. Um, he, from what I could tell, nailed the buildup. I know there's a lot of consternation about that anytime they play a theme from the bottom. Um, but it sounded good to these years and uh, really a, a great, great opener. Agree. And I'm just looking st- at the stats of it. The last time it opened a show was 1019 2016 from the Ascend Amphitheater, which is a show that nobody talks about. And I cannot recommend it enough. Amazing show in the fall 2016 tour. But there was also three openers in a row in summer 97, which is pretty cool. But yeah, it's, it's kind of one of those songs that rarely is in this slot. The last two versions were in um, uh, second sets, but mostly, you know, you get first set, kind of mid set. Let's just see where the band is at. But I love the way it's, it opens everything as a palate cleanser. Paul, where were you at last night in the venue? What were your thoughts on the opener? I was in the lawn and my mic side. And it was great. It was a great way to open it, to, you know, kind of easy into the show. It was really, uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't had that before. So it was nice. Yeah. Yeah, that ease in, like, and then suddenly they're rocking. I love that. John, yeah. Jonathan, Megan, what did you guys think? I missed it, and I haven't listened back because I've been <laughs> working on other things. But I love it as an opener. Um, you know, it it doesn't jam, but it has kind of a it has a you know a nice build and peak that serves as a similar feeling, despite being you know composed and well performed when it's well performed. Megan, what did you think? Yeah, theme is a vibe, and I love it. I love when they open with a song that just kind of, like, sets a mood right away. And I love that they're throwing back to this, you know, the first time they played there a long time ago, which I was there for, so is Jonathan, um, aging ourselves for sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just love that when they play things that they've played in that slot, kind of in a historic time that they played that venue, which is super cool. Yeah, I thought it was a great opener, sets the tone. And I feel like as we're going to get through the show, like it sets the tone for the kind of show that we heard last night in the sense that it was, wasn't going to like totally blow your mind apart, but it was just a very, very good fish show in the middle of the country. Um, we moved into Boogie on Reggae Woman, the first one since the forum. This is a song that has only been played uh, six or seven times since 2017. It's really started to become a rarity. You've got Mexico 2017, Baker's Dozen, Bill Graham 2018, Nashville 2018, uh, Charleston 2019, Gorge 2021, Forum, and now Deer Creek. It's just they're they're spacing out when they play the song. You get the Mike show, you get uh, Trey teasing Happy Birthday. This was really really fun vibes, reminding me of a particular 1999 Deer Creek show that uh, I love, where there was also Happy Birthday and Boogie on Reggae Woman in there. But what was everyone's thoughts on this, Paul? What what were your thoughts on the Boogie on? Man, it was it was so great. It was so great, especially having started with theme and going into it like that. I mean, the audience just like absolutely exploded. That that yeah. That, bass sound on that song is just so sick it's just so dance inducing it's great yeah i felt like the first quarter of the show was just like tons and tons of energy megan what were your thoughts i know that you are a boogie on fan what did you think as as this was happening yeah i love this song this is one of my favorite covers i'm always wanting to hear this song this is like my style of groove i like to dance this way it's like funky gritty it's got that like 
just like you said, Paul, awesome baseline. I was watching the show last night with my husband, who's not a fan, and I texted on our text chain that he he was like, oh, did they do a Stevie Wonder Halloween? Is that from like a Halloween set? And I'm like, no, but that would be pretty awesome. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, Sign exactly. me up for some songs in the key of life, Halloween. Right? That would be killer. Right. Oh, my God. Amazing. Yeah, but it, I love this song, and especially outside in a summer shed. It's like perfect. Yeah. Ben, what, what were your thoughts? Well, I, I'm going to need a few hours to collect myself thinking about songs <laughs> in the key of life as a Halloween possibility. But, <laughs> we're calling it now. Um, <laughs> all because of my husband. We're going to manifest this shit. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it, you know, I, I, I love when Fish just immediately kind of puts the crowd at, in a certain place. Um, you know, we're all different. Some of us are the head bobbers. Some of us really let loose uh, at other times. Some people try not to do that at all. And, and I, you know, I think we obviously should welcome all those folks at fish shows because everyone experiences the music differently. But what I really love about that boogie placement uh, is, you know, it, right away, everyone's moving their shoulders, their head, their feet. So you're, you're doing something and you're feeling that music. Uh, you look around, everyone's in the same place. And the early tease, the happy birthday tease, you know, if you if you weren't smiling, then then you know this this fish thing isn't for you. Um, but it was a flawless <laughs> uh, flawless happy birthday uh, tease from Trey. Uh, really well done, and just uh, a lot of lot of fun. Yeah, it was it was energy right out the gates, and we moved into uh, everything's right then, which I, I just did the stats on it. So there are thirty seven everything's right everything right performances including last night currently there are 14 in the jam chart but that is excusing um the excellent version from new year's eve it's excusing the excellent version from mexico the excellent version opened up a show in uh msg as well as last night's version so they're technically speaking 18 18 versions of uh everything's right that should be in the jam chart which gives everything's right a 486 batting average we are all about batting averages here 486 no, is impossible no, and there's 36 there's this is a, there's a large <laughs> enough sample size to be like what in the hell this song is an absolute banger every time you hear it i don't care what you think about the lyrics i personally love them but like I know that there are some cl- complaints from time to time about the lyrics. Every time you hear this song start, you should know, oh, we're in for something here. And last night we were really in for something. Um, Jonathan, what were your yeah. thoughts on this? Everything's right. I, uh, you know, what did I what did I text you guys when it started? It's like, oh, time for a jam, because it's all but a given. And you know, I'm okay with that. Like, I, there's not a lot of things with fish that are a given. Like, Down With Disease last night was basically a given. Everything's Right, going into a jam, basically a given. And uh, and it was a fun one. Uh, I think, you know, they stretched it out. They didn't go into 20-minute territory, uh, which is a bummer. Folks will just have to give Mockingbird Foundation money anyways. Uh, because it was good. It was a lot of fun. I bet folks inside the venue were jamming it out. Yeah, I feel like when a jam goes to this length but doesn't hit 20 minutes, you should give half of what you were going to give to Mockingbird Foundation. Because like the band got there, they just didn't have a stopwatch on 
stage to say up oh, 20 minutes let's give money to kids time is an um, this is very true it's all about the vibe uh paul and ben you guys were there paul first what were your thoughts as this started up and what were your thoughts on this jam i mean for me this is like the perfect sunset jam in a summer show it is anytime everything right everything's right starts i'm the same way where it's just like okay here comes the jam this is going to be great and, and and it was so it was i mean even on the even on the record it was so nice to see them really do an elongated version of it when they could have yeah. just made like a three minute and 30 second single sort of a thing. But to hear it jammed out like that is kind of them acknowledging that this is, this is where we're going to go with this song every time. And it just gets better and better. It's great. Yeah. That's a really good point. Like the studio aspect of this, where they were clearly saying like, we, we love this song and every time we play it, we just can find this additional space to explore it's a really good thought and it's just like when they start this song there's just there's no effort being put into it ben what were your thoughts yeah i, I really uh will echo what paul said I, I i think it's interesting that the studio version kind of gets to this ambient space and um you know really kind of uh hits the right note for those of us who like those ambient jams and we saw a little bit of that awesome. in last night's i thought it was really it got to sort of this blissy space and then it went back into this kind of darker space. Um, I, I, I did think it was a little bit funny. I won't call it a ripcord, but um, Trey, just as it was the, the kind of the dark jam was setting in, um, Trey just sort of uh, softly started singing. Uh, I think, I think it was like, everything's right. Everything's right. Or it's going to be all right. And it's like that, that, that contrast of like this dark jam, but, it's going to be all right. It, it, uh, it almost felt, uh, you know, like a different version of, you know, Lassie, come home, Lassie. Uh, not on that level, but, you know, I, I'm speaking to a bunch of uh, fellow fish nerds here. I think you know what we, I'm trying to say. We get that reference. We get it. Yeah, get but it was, it, it, but it, it was 17 minutes or so. And, um, yeah, it covered, covered a lot of ground in that time. Um, and you know the song itself. It's so. It, yeah, I, I get the criticisms uh, of the lyrics. I get that maybe sometimes in the last few years it didn't feel appropriate to be singing "Everything's Right" um, when everything is definitely not right. But if you're if you're at a show, um, it's you know what more can you ask for? You look around, seeing people sing. Um, it's just it's it's fun. It's uh, a good vibe. Um, it's why we see fish. Two, two replies to that, and I agree with you in general. So, uh, but uh, when you're at a show, things are more right than other otherwise, right? Yeah. And and also when things aren't right in the world, sometimes you, you know a good blanket can help you feel a little closer to it, and this song can be that. So, yeah, I listened to this also. song so many times during the pandemic, like when we were in quarantine. I listened to this song all the time made me feel better. I think it's just one of those songs that you can kind of cling to. And yeah, it's a little dad rocky, but as we all know, the dad rock songs lead to epic jams a lot of the time. So get on board with the dad rock. Dad, dad rock is a good show too. Get on board. I have really come around. I think this is a really interesting discussion point. I've really come around on the lyrics of this song. Um, I initially thought it was slightly trite. And, and what you're saying, Ben, like when the song debuted – it was like, really, we should be singing this right now? Like, does this fit the moment? I, I would argue this song has really aged well. 
And I think that the sense of what Trey is saying with everything's right is not necessarily in this moment. It is more, there is a necessarily a plan, but there's like a, a reaction and a cycle to the way that things work. And on the whole, if you take like the 10,000 foot view of the world, everything is right. Everything's go- like, everything is going as it should, even when it's not, and Even that kind when of the push mirror's and pull. secret is that I'm losing my hair. Or yeah. something like that. <laughs> like, I mean, he addresses it. It was like, not totally. Every, he, things aren't perfect, but everything's right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's like, I'm in, prison, okay. I'm in a prison without, you know, he's, he, there's a lot of, yeah, the metaphor is pretty deep there. There's a lot of darkness in that song. Yeah. In the sense is that, like, and for me, as, you know, speaking to Dad Rock, like, my son sings these lyrics constantly. And, like, having him sing it as almost, like, a, a meditative, like, just yeah. repetition, you know? Like, it just it, – it's right. Like, there's a lot of challenges, but at the end of the day, things are good. And, and when they play this song, the way that you were talking, Paul, like, on the record or live as a jam, it really kind of reinforces that, like, the, the, the inner meaning of this song just speaks to the band in such a profound way. Um, I want to look at the remainder of the first set is kind of a big chunk because we, we, we've gone very deep on the first three songs here. I want to highlight mole, but I also want to get your guys thoughts. We had a unique twist here in the first set where we had some rare songs that were played rarish. And then we had the first repeat of the overall tour. So let's talk songs and then we can talk mole and like the, the, the cool jam off of that. Um, Ben, what were your thoughts on kind of the songs that were played? And were you thinking at this point, no repeats? Were you angry when Cavern started? Were you happy? Were you like, oh, it's over. Cool. They can play anything now. What What were your thoughts as, as the first set concluded? Yeah, I definitely thought you know, once Esther and Buried Alive came in, um, I, I just, at that point, I assumed, okay, they're, they're going to do no repeats. And and cool. You know, good for them. Although, um I'm not one of those people who thinks that they owe us that. Um, I, I think they switch up their set list more than any artist in history. Um, so, um, but it, it, it did kind of, that that swing kind of did, um, you know, produce kind of an interesting effect. Um, I was happy when I heard Cavern. I, I think it, it kind of, it, it kept, it, it removed some of the, you know, I don't know if pressure is the word, but, you know, I, I talk about the burden of expectations. It, remo- it removed some of that. Um, and you know, anytime you see Cavern, it's just, it's just a fun song. So um, I, I love Esther. I um, was lucky enough to get out of the gorge. I was, I, I, Jonathan, I think I've heard you talk about this on other podcasts where sometimes a flub or like a sound issue kind of takes you out of the moment. Unfortunately, that was that kind of happened to me. Um Shane Bieber was also throwing a no hitter. So that might have had something to do with it, but um, <laughs> it was, uh, I'm just a baseball freak. So forgive me, but, um, but, but it was quiet. There was something in my section you know, with the sound uh, and combination of a couple mistakes. So, but then buried alive just was a ferocious, uh, you know, few minutes there. Um, it brought me right back in and, I, I thought Alaska, it's a good placement for Alaska. Um, it's kind of the only place I ever want to see it. Um, but it's fun. And, it, you know, Alaska has that character zero and possum effect in some ways that by the time they get to the end of it and, you know, Trey and Paige are just screaming, uh, I'll stay right here. And 
Trey's playing the guitar. You know, everyone's having fun. Um, so, and I say that as someone who, I'm just not an Alaska fan, but but if you're at a show, it, you know, it works. Um, so yeah, I thought it came together all pretty well, and, and just Tavern was the perfect way to close that set. Um, and it also gets you thinking: okay, is you know, Tweezer on Sunday a possibility? Uh, you know, is my brother going to get his Reba? Um, so I, I personally was kind of happy that they played Cavern and um, opened up, uh, back, went back to a couple repeats. I was too. I, I'm going to share some stats here in a second, but Paul, I want to get your thoughts. What were your, what would you think of no repeats being cut out and what were your, what were your highlights in the last half of the first set? Well, my, my, this is my first Esther. And I remember as, as, as a kid, I had heard Esther when I was a little kid, my friend's sister came back from college and that's when I was like, fish is weird. I don't understand. I don't really don't understand this. And then years later, it's just one of my favorite songs. It's, it's, it's so beautiful. Unfortunately by me that I couldn't hear the, the vocals very well at all. Um, oh. And so I thought something had gone, gone wrong with the sound, but then I listened to it uh, this morning on live fish. It sounded great. Um, but I, I'm actually a huge Alaska fan. So I was very happy to see it always, always gets me moving. And it's just such a, such a fun song. I love the piano on it. Um, and I was, Alaska sounds like a band song to me and I'm, it does. I'm, I'm on, it, does. it sounds it's, like something you listen to a bar. It's great. It's great with, with a uh, tab too. Yeah. That's who the, I always, I always hear the, the tab version whenever I hear it now. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then cavern of, of the songs that I was pretty bummed that they weren't going to play supposedly was, uh, cavern and chalk dust. Cause I just love both those songs so much. So, it was really great. It was a really great surprise. And I love that they saved it till the end of the first set too. It was yeah. a great way to close it. Uh, the guys I was with, one of them was walking away. And when Cavern started, he was going to hit the bathroom early. And then it started and was like, well, now I have to dance. <laughs> Just dance all the way to the bathroom you know, yeah. and in the line. And, you know, I've never done that. No. <laughs> yeah. Cavern's ridiculous it. in the sense that like it never changes and yet every time it is just such a ball of energy and like the lyrics are ridiculous, the little dance is ridiculous. It all kind of summarizes what makes fish special. Like it's a rock song that has these fishisms added to it that like you're in on the joke if you're a fan, but like you could play it for someone who's not a fan and they could be like this band kind of sounds weird, but also there's a damn good hook in this song and I want to listen to it again. Um so I, I was looking back at the last two no repeat tours before we jump into the second set here. And cause I was thinking about this, Jonathan, you and I were talking about this yesterday on the pod. Like, did they mean to play cavern? Was it a mistake? Was it a joke that they were playing? So if you look at the last two, the Baker's dozen and fall 2019, they were more shows that they did not repeat a song in. But I think that if we, if you, if you take the averages, you basically get an understanding of like where the band was at in their headspace of like the song rotation, the songs that were being played, the Baker's dozen, the average show gap per song that was played was 33 shows, which is pretty big. So you're, you're dealing with a lot of bust outs on basically a nightly basis. Fall 2019 Kind of a ragged upon tour in some cases, but if you wanted to see bust outs, that's a tour to see them on. Thirty show gap in terms of what you know songs that are that are being played every thirty shows basically. 
Spring 2022, there's five shows with no repeats. Last night, everything's negated because of Deer Creek. But Spring 2022 was only a 17-show gap for the songs. There were a lot of songs, as you noted, Jonathan, that were played in MSG, a lot of songs that were played in Mexico. Not a ton of, like, bust-outs in those first five shows. So I almost wonder if they had just gotten to a point where they were like, we haven't practiced some of these bust-outs. Like, we're just going to kind of extend the rotation in a way that's not going to make it as fun. Let's just play Cavern. Let's play Chalk Dust Torture. Shake this thing up. And then when we come out Saturday, Sunday, they can play your tweezer. They can play another set your soul free. They can play another Karini songs that they know that they can really attack. And I'm actually really excited about that. Cause you know, repeats aren't the worst thing in the world. Rel- relatively speaking repeats, but like, you know, there's a lot of potential with some of these songs on the second go round. Always is. And you know, they, um, they also have the advantage of no travel for these two shows. So right. They can, get up in the morning, go, go to the practice room, you know, take the bus over, you know, early or midday, whenever is appropriate. I don't know. And just, but just hang out in the afternoon, work on this song, work on that song, do the sound check again, more practice. And then they do it again tomorrow. They get, they're rested. They're comfortable. It is the advantage of the three night run. Right. So I think that we'll still see some bust outs. I think that the, the, the people who were, hanging on the idea of a no repeat set and i and i'm a tour and i was in favor of it but it doesn't matter to me uh i think they were hoping it would produce some of those deep cuts and things and they could still happen but they also might get a tweezer and i see ben nodding and he's like yes give me a tweezer right right give so, me another reba <clears throat> give me another another reba um but uh, you know, maybe a drowned too. So you know, you're gonna get stuff you haven't they haven't played yet, um, and I think it's gonna be great. We didn't really talk about Mull. Can I throw in my two cents and we can go around? Please the room do. On I want to give I want to give space for Mull. Yes. How rad is that? Like it's Mike's song. I'm not even sure there's a jam chart for that song, but they're gonna have to think about it. Um, I, I I don't. Uh, know if the band was a hundred percent ready to jam it but trey wasn't ready to stay in the structure and they all kind of went along and right at the end there reminded me of the the like the end of tweezer from the other whatever that Mm. last weekend so um you know just good space and uh i'm okay with it fading out like that i thought it was pretty funny though faded out we talked about this at separate faded out got all quiet and then Mike, uh, Mike, Trey steps towards Mike and says, "Play birds." And they play birds with each other. <laughs> I thought that mole was awesome. I, yeah. I, I actually really like this song. This is like one of Mike's songs that I really, really like, and it, it was works. so cool to hear it like turn into this like, yeah, it was really hypnotic. I felt like it reminded me a little bit of the Light Jam, and just had this like really hypnotic mellow vibe to it I thought it was super cool it was so fun to see them get to that space and I also just wanted to say about the no repeats thing one of our listeners said that a no repeat tour can turn into Charleston 2019 and I do think that sometimes when you are trying to hit a goal of no repeats that you're giving up on some of the more exploratory music that that we love so I think that I'm curious I have no idea if that was intentional or not if if that was a mistake or not, but I think it's going to take the pressure valve off and we're probably going to get some really sick shows these next two nights. 
you know, we'll talk about this as we get into the second set. We we were talking before we went on air with Ben about like last night did not blow my face off. It was not like a Deer Creek night one last year. And that's okay. I'm not saying that in a negative way. I have no complaints. I had a great time. I was talking with my friends. I was sitting outside. I was listening to Fish. Fish closed the second set with three incredibly old school rock and roll, prog, weird, awesomeness, all combined into one, which is part of the reason why we all do this. And it set the table for what could potentially be two really, really strong shows to close out this this short little tour. Um, before we move on to set two, Ben, Paul, do you guys have any thoughts on the mole jam that was played? I thought, um, yeah, I, I thought it was really good, and I think we're seeing uh, pretty consistent uh, performances of mole in its early stages here. So. Um, yeah, I, I give it two thumbs up, and uh, I, I think it's only a matter of time before they either slide it into the second set or you know let it stretch its legs a little bit to 15 minutes or more. Um, it's just got this kind of pulsating and driving nature to it that I really like. Um, and you know, the lyrics are goofy. Um, you know, Mike is no John Prine as I'm sporting the shirt today. Um, <laughs> But that's okay. It works in fish and uh, melody, the harmonies, they work for me. Uh, yeah, I like Mole. That was a, that was a pleasant surprise. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes in different set lists moving forward. Yeah, when I first, when I first heard Mole, I did, definitely didn't think it was going to be, they were going to be doing what they're doing with it. It's yeah. really, it's, it's, and I think we're going to see some very cool things over the years with that i agree i, I thought for i thought for a minute they were actually going into to meat stick like there was a uh the guitar line that he was that he was the chairs playing and then the other guys started following along for a second and then it kind of went away from that yeah that's a really good point there was there was a jam in the jam and mall reminded me of the tweezer from msg which felt like a slowed down version of your pet cat and it, it felt like they could go in a multiple multitude of directions and I was glad that they kept pushing it because Mike, Mike deserves to have some jam vehicles. Like aside from his song, there's not a ton of Mike songs that are played that are then given the opportunity to explore. And it seems like they found something with Maul that I really dig. Um, let's jump into the second set here. Um, I want to focus on two areas, the two bits of improvisation that I thought were really fascinating last night. Down with Disease and Ruby Waves. Um, two Down with Disease celebrated its 300th performance last night, which means that there are now 30 fish songs that have been played 300 times or more. We may dive into that during the pre-show hang because there's there's some unexpected songs in there, while also like you know you could probably write out a really cool two show set list of all 300 songs uh, or 300 performance fish songs, but down with disease. It was the popular call for opening set two, but as Jonathan said, no, they need to play a, um, a moose bouche for the, uh, for the free webcasters on Facebook and then Ruby waves, which has only been played uh, 14 times. And has six currently, but probably seven, which is a 500 batting average. Uh, 
entries into the jam chart. These are two songs that when they're played, you know that you're getting some exploration. Um, ben, what were your thoughts on the Down with Disease and the Ruby Wave segment of the show? Yeah, I liked it. Uh, it, de- it definitely grew on me listening back. Um, I, I I really liked Ruby Waves in the moment, but Disease was kind of more interesting than I, I remember it being. Um, you know, it's, it's always interesting when they have kind of a um, shorter song to open the second set. You know, the, No Man's, uh, you know, had some interesting, you know, type one jamming for a few minutes there, but they didn't really stretch it out. So, you, you always have your, your expectations kind of change in that moment and you're wondering, okay, what's going to be the jam vehicle that really takes the set and puts it in motion. Um, you know, disease is pretty reliable of that, obviously. So I thought it, it, it really got it off to an interesting start. Um, joy, you know, if I had to place joy differently, I would. Um, but you know, it, Trey writes a beautiful song. It means a lot to him about a, a dear family member. I'm not going to criticize it. And it was beautiful solo. So, you know, I'm not going to criticize it. <laughs> the Ruby waves really hit, hit, uh, hit the spot for me though. Um, great sing along. The, the crowd is just really into it. And um, I, I thought that, you know, I've, I've made this observation since they first started playing it. Um, and really, since I heard it on Ghost of the Forest, it's just a great arena rock song. Um, and I know, obviously, we're not in an arena here at Deer Creek, but, you know, 20,000, 25,000 people, um, it's just, it, it really works in front of a big crowd. And I thought the jam uh, covered a lot of ground in, in relatively short amount of time. And the Trey's uh, guitar playing really kind of met the energy of the crowd there. Um, so I, I love Ruby Waves. I was really happy to see it. Um, and, and then the song, the song is also, I'm just, I'm, I'll, I'll always be interested to know why Trey sat on that song for so long. Um, mm. the, the lyrics really kind of hit me last night and then listening to it again this morning. Um, you know, just that, that refrain escape from this prison of lies, escape from this prison of lies, knowing you know, what he was going through in that 2007, 2008 time period um, when he originally wrote the song, but kind of kept it to himself for the most part. Just really kind of interested to, to know, you know, why why did he choose to uh, to bring that back and, and to see it, you know, become a staple of fish. It's, it's really, really cool to me. But, um, you know, I'd just love to learn more about why. So, yeah, big fan. Yeah, the honesty in those lyrics are almost like it, it would have been shocking to hear in 2007, 2006 range. And I think it really hard for him to uh, communicate expose that. at that time, which has made it so interesting because like there's so many classic versions of that song for a song that is not really played like it's in a somewhere between a six and a 15 show rotation at most times. Like it's not like they're playing it in that like four to five show gap. So they're not pulling it out there on a net on a, you know, run by run basis, but when it's played, there's so much attention given to the song and there's so much like, it's like three minutes and then they're off. And when they're off, anything can happen. We've seen 40 minute jams happen. We've seen 30 minute jams happen. We've seen even in 11 minutes, like last night, a ton of ideas are compacted. So I wonder to your point, Ben, like he sat on it 
until maybe he felt right to play it and to sing it to people. And now that he feels right to play it and he has 15 years of perspective on what he went through, it's almost this like cathartic moment that he goes through where there's almost like a celebration for getting through that darkness. Um, yeah, cathartic. Cathartic is a great word for it, Brian. I, I really think that that's it. And um, yeah, it's 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 a powerful, you know, it's a powerful song. Uh, it's It's fun to have more songs that, you know, we all have Slave to the Traffic Light and Harry Hood, songs that hit us in the fields, as, as I like to say. Um, but I, I'll put Ruby Waves in that same category. Right there with you. Paul, what were your thoughts on the disease and the Ruby Waves from last night? Really, really fun um, disease and the ruby waves i just love that song they fit they do so many interesting things with it it's and i didn't know that that he had sat on the song for so long i didn't actually know that so that just adds a whole another layer of um another layer of depth to it or whatever and uh um and i was actually i was hoping it was going to go on longer until the next songs kicked in and then i was like okay i can I can go with this, but I was hoping it was going to this turn into a, a, a big, big, long, like 30 minute jam as it has, as it has before. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely the feel like it could, this could go off into a big jam space at this point in time, or we could go in an alternative direction and we get lizards, Fluffhead, chalk dust to close things out. Um, three songs that go back to the eighties and early, early nineties. Um, really, really classic fish. Jonathan, you look like you have thoughts on this segment of the show. What, what, what are you? What well, are your I, I want to say about the the opening of the set. You know, sure. No men down with disease, joy, ruby waves. That's forty minutes, and it is a packed forty minutes. Um, yeah. No men is just a great set opener. This one was not super long. They can get long, but you know, it's kind of like um, kind of like boogie on in that it is you can't. If you would are at all a person who will dance at a fish show, you dance into this. Um, that's <laughs> that's what it does. And uh, great. great set two opener, and then you know they got nice spacey into downward, you know, intro on downward disease. Took that out, and I loved the landing into joy. That song just that gets me. I get that song. It's beautiful. It's heavy. And I think doing Ruby Waves out of it is inspired because of that. You used the word cathartic, Ben. I think it was you. Uh, it, we'll, we'll throw it around some more because I think that, you know, Joy is heavy. It's a heavy-ass song. And then you have Ruby Waves, which is not not heavy, but it just it's about, you know, kind of a release. And I think that pairing was outstanding. And then, yeah, and then the role in the back half of the set is just, uh, you know, heavy hitters and just fun, great fish music. What a good way to rap. Megan, what were your thoughts on this second set and kind of the overall flow and some of the musical diversions that we had? Yeah, I really agree with Jonathan. I think the first chunk of the show of the set is really well played, too. I think the No Man, I love it as an opener. And then I think this down with disease definitely was hit me the way that some things hit on kitchen couch door and they don't hit when you're in the building, right? Like down with disease at MSG, I burned a hole in the ground at home. I was like, Oh, I'm starting to get a little tired. You know, like I think couch <laughs> sometimes like definitely can, uh, can affect your ability to enjoy something. 
Um, but joy is like you were saying, Jonathan, it's, I have a daughter who's a teenager and thinking about what this song is about is so powerful and love the fact that Trey can now write and Tom can write these songs that are so incredibly intimate and so from the heart. It's just, it's a gift and something that they've, that's evolved and I love it. And Ruby Waves totally agree with everything you're saying. It was just, it wasn't a monster jam, but it was like, had these peaks at the end that were super inspired and some really cool, interesting effects underneath the like soaring guitar notes. It was, I thought it was beautiful. I listened back today and I really liked it. This is something I'll return to. Yeah. I feel like from this show, I'm going to go back to the everything's right. The mole, the D, down with Z's and the Ruby waves on a fairly regular basis. I thought there was really interesting jamming in there. Nothing breaking 20 minutes, but all having really unique musical segments that I'll definitely go back to. I, I was looking at it like, it's really interesting, you know, down disease, that chunk you were talking about, Jonathan, no men's disease, joy, Ruby waves. Disease is clearly the oldest song debuts depending on when you count it, either on 1231-93 or in uh, the Spring 94 tour as a complete song. But Disease is fascinating because if you look at the 300 performance fish songs, Disease is the newest of those songs by far. And it's the song that was introduced like post-classic fish. It was like that first song of like, there's hoist heads. There's people who are getting this CD and going on fish tour and people are rebelling against it at this point in time because fish is playing all these new songs off this quote unquote commercial album. But disease has been this like long bellwether of every time they play it, no matter the era, it just, it evokes magic and it, and it puts the band in this really special place where they can create a lot. So I was thinking about it in conjunction with no men, joy and Ruby waves. And this is kind of like, the new fish segment of the show for them to then end with lizards, fluffhead, shock dust, torture, three songs that for a variety of reasons, be it your entrance to game henge, the long, you know, performed composition that the band simply couldn't perform during one era of their career. And then has represented them coming back and rededicating themselves to their songcraft. And then Chalk Dust Torture, Can I Live While I'm Young, the eternal vibe of every single one of us. You know, Jonathan talked earlier about us losing our hair at this point in time, still going to fish shows. But you go to a fish show, you're exhausted, your back hurts, your feet hurt, but you're like, can I please just live while I'm young? I'm still young. Please let me do this. So there's there's a fun, regardless of the fact that there was nothing really mind-blowing played, there's a lot of there's a very cool old school fishy vibe going through this second set, even in that first half that focuses on a lot of newer songs. So we get the second repeat of the tour, which I think just blows the door open that we are, you know, just going to hear anything's on the table again tonight. Um, they close out, you get a mic, uh, focus in contact, you get first tube, um, what was everyone's? We'll just go around, uh, starting with you, Paul. What were your overall thoughts on the show and kind of how are you feeling going into night two? And anything you feel like we didn't ask you to weigh in? Yeah, I, I'm anything. I, <laughs> I, I, I feel I feel great. I mean, I, I the, the, they played a lot of my favorite songs last night. I mean, a lot of my favorite songs, and I got some uh, ones I never have before. So I get, getting that Esther was great, and then getting the contact at the end, which I hadn't before either just really made my day. F contact was a song that I 
got fish. I under, I understood it because it's it's beautiful. It's beautifully played, and yeah. it's 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 sweet but funny, and it has funny moments, but is really tender and sweet. It's just it's it's everything I love um, about about the songwriting. And so to to hear that was was really nice. It was really nice, and um, yeah, I mean, we're really really the lizards and chalk dust and fluffhead at the end though was my highlight was my favorite and i've I've, I've gone to five shows over the course of the last year and i've gotten three lizards and three fluffheads in those five shows and i can i I can never get enough of those songs i mean i I absolutely absolutely adore them so i've always blown away that kind of always blown away that trey could write something as i mean the man has written some of the most incredible guitar parts that I've ever heard. But like the end of lizards, every time I hear it, I'm just like, how did you come up with this? Like, it's just, it's so creative and so whimsical, but so beautiful at the same time. And it like is sad and happy all at once. It's just such a great ending. Um, Any songs you're hoping to hear tonight, Paul? I would really like a big dark Karini. Ooh. Would make Ooh. me very happy. Um, always, uh, always, always. Yeah, <laughs> and and, uh, and, uh, and and also they haven't played it yet, so I'm I'm hoping we'll get a uh, uh, yum either tonight oh, or tomorrow. Yeah. I feel like that's gonna on come on table. Sunday now. Yeah, open the show with yum. Just just give us a big old wow. Jam. People would go you crazy. Know? Insane. Ben, what were your thoughts kind of overall on this, on the uh, show and uh, what are you hoping for tonight? Yeah, I, I loved the, uh, the ending of that show quite a bit. Um, you know, the, the, um, the amount of focus it takes to play, for the whole band to play uh, Lizards and Fluffhead is really off the charts. And yet what I love about both those songs is um, as the ending of Lizards, that solo, it's, it's, perhaps the most melodic and beautiful piece of music uh, it, that they have. Um, I, I think it's just incredible. Um, so that that's sort of like a release at the end of that song after this intense focus of you know this intricate composition. And then, yeah, obviously the solo at the end of Fluffhead, which is uh, a cathartic release. Um, but I loved the, I was putting Chalk Dust on the end, on the, uh, at the end of those, uh, of that run of songs, um, just looking around with you know the white lights and uh, what what Corona does during the chorus. If you can't enjoy that, you know again this this fish band probably just isn't for you. But um, it was a great you know some, some great energy. Uh, and so looking forward, I you know Paul makes a good point. Karini's on the table, um, so I. I Kind of didn't think we'd get a Karini this weekend, but I'll take a Karini. Um, but I'd also like to see, um, I'd like to see them take another Ghost of the Forest song or a newer song and, you know, maybe stretch it out a little bit or put it in a spot that launches a, a jam segment. Uh, I'm a big Sightless Escape fan. I'd love, I'd love to see Sightless Escape. Um, uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to see maybe, you know, see them take a couple chances like that. And, um, you know, to Jonathan's point earlier about the band still being able to play some bust-outs and rarities, um, you know, it's just nice to know that they have plenty of time today to learn Albuquerque or Powderfinger and, 
you know, that that's uh, that's always a possibility. Plenty of time, guys. You know you can do it. So, um, Patrick, <laughs> Fish, if you're you listening to know. HF Pod, um, I, I know you referenced Neil Young uh, on the serious uh, interview last week. So, uh, I believe that, that you guys can learn one of those two songs. Uh, I mean, come on. And Even I can play Albuquerque. Uh, Exactly. <laughs> no, but uh, to it. I uh, no, I have to go back to no expectations, right? But it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun to see what happens. Uh, I think we're in for two really good shows, um, and um, yeah, I think the crowds will just grow from last night. So uh, hopefully, everyone is uh, you know comfortable and, and take care of each other. But it's gonna be fun to, to just see a lot of people having fun. Uh, that's <laughs> that's. that's my favorite thing about fish. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, if there's any, if history will tell us anything last year at deer Creek, we got this crazy Friday night show. We got a, what I would consider a very underrated Saturday show. The second set from August 7th last year, I go back to that often. Everything's right. There's really good flow to that show. And then Sunday night, it was very controversial in the moment. I don't know how many people have listened to it in, in, in since then, but that show was insane. And, um, in, in both good ways and also like, wow, what in the hell is happening on stage right now? Does anyone know what song that they're playing kind of ways, but like that vibe of deep jamming on Saturday craziness on Sunday, like there's a lot of that still on the table. So, um, really, really excited to hear what happens, um, tonight, Ben and Paul, thank you guys so much for, for joining us, Paul. I want to give you one more chance here. Let the people know where are you playing today? What time, what can we expect? Yeah, uh, I'm playing at the Close By Campground. Uh, I'm thinking about 3 o'clock, 3.30 or so. And then tomorrow going to be doing the doing the same thing, about 3.30, somewhere between 3.30 and 4.30 tomorrow. And, awesome. uh, yeah, I play a whole mix of different different sorts of songs, um, all, all originals. I am very bad at doing covers i'll leave that to the original people um a lot of quirky stuff and and i i you know i I actually john prine is one of my favorite songwriters and and i i I have definitely thieved a thieved a bit of bit of that so uh yeah and uh you can find me on uh i have some stuff on itunes and i'm going to be putting out some tunes real soon i got a, a single coming out that's a really has a really great guitar solo and horns and stuff on it full band stuff that's coming out next three weeks from now awesome um so yeah awesome yeah. we'll keep an eye thanks. out for that and, and thanks for having me guys thank you guys both thank for you. coming on this was great and everyone check out paul's gig today and ben we will see you i think later in the summer you're doing pine knob and blossom is that correct yeah, we're going to do Pine Knob and Blossom, so I'll probably be sporting my Jose Ramirez jersey at Blossom. So if you want to talk about wins above replacement with me, uh, I'll be the guy wearing the Jose Ramirez jersey. But um, yeah, looking forward to that and the hometown show in Detroit. should be a good time. We're going to come up with a wins above above replacement uh, set list for what, for the next time that you're on. We'll, we'll, we'll figure this out. That'll be a ton of fun. We, we need the, the marriage of fish and sabermetrics is inevitable, and it's going to be a beautiful thing when we figure it out. This is what, this is what I. Oh my god, I'm busy that day. Well, Ben, Paul, thank you guys so much for hanging with us. You guys have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll talk to you guys soon. 
Thanks, Thanks guys. guys. Thank you much. Hey, I'm still here. Still I'm there. still here. Still here. Phew. Sorry. sorry. Whew. I was so like, rude. where did he go? Um, I don't even know what Sabermetrics is. It's so it, how much time go do you watch have, Moneyball. There you go. Oh, okay. <laughs> go watch like man, this isn't a good season for it. But if you want, there's a bunch of stuff on YouTube. Um, the Oakland Athletics from 2002 to basically 2019. Like every Oakland A's game is a is a is a deep dive into sabermetrics. No, but Moneyball has Brad Pitt, I think. So you could watch it. Okay, maybe I've even seen that, or maybe I fell asleep watching it. I don't know. <laughs> he I looks great. I mean, in everything, but yeah. he looks great. 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 <laughs> in Moneyball. Okay. I'll tell you what, Billy Bean. Here. Billy Bean's a good-looking guy. Billy Bean's no Brad Pitt. No, no shots taken at Billy Bean. You built the no. Oakland Athletics on a very, very rough budget. But um, we will be back this evening at 7 p.m. Eastern. Just about five hours to hang out, just talk with time you guys. For lunch. I'm gonna have some lunch. Might go for a run. The Cubs are up one nothing against the dreaded St. Louis Cardinals. Don't come at me with that. The Cardinals are terrible. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I don't want to hear any St. Louis love. Stop it. We don't do that here. Um, Somebody else logged in that I can't see. Yeah, I don't hear. know who Brian's talking to, but yeah. I'm just talking out in the open to the world it. here out there. <laughs> but um, we'll be back to talk about. I don't really know. We're going to talk about fish and cover bands. We're going to talk about. Um, we're we're gonna have our pick five for tonight i have an interesting topic i want to bring up tonight's show um we have a question here really quick before we split let's see if we should dive into this or if this should be paused for this evening's show i think we might fish will ever host a new year's eve or halloween run somewhere other than new york or las vegas personally i'd love to see a run at the la forum Hmm. this is a good question I, i think I don't know. Don't aggregate this. I think that there is an extended run being built up at the LA Forum. The ownership is the same as MSG. The LA Forum has been refurbished as some of the best sound in arenas in America. LA obviously has a lot of options from lodging, hotels. The weather is great year-round. I think the only problem is, unless you stay in Inglewood, it's really hard to get to the LA forum with LA traffic and there's not a lot of hotel options in Plus Inglewood. You have to go to LA. I love LA. Oh my God. Well, there's a song in that. LA. There is a song in that. So I don't, I don't, I don't see it happening as like a new year's run, but I could, and I don't see it happening as a Halloween run, but I do see like a three week or three show. Fall, um, tour. fall tour extended run at the forum because it's just the, the venue. They love playing there. Right before they go to Vegas for Halloween. Right before they go to Vegas. Yeah. So Next yeah, year. like a, a three show weekend run at at the forum and then go to Vegas. That would be a seven show run that would not be missed. Yeah. Um so we'll be back with more speculation and lack of insights and deep dives on just anything that Fish has in store in this spring 2022 tour. It's been a ton of fun. Megan, Jonathan, I love hanging out with you guys, and I love talking fish with you too. And I'm excited to do it again here in a couple hours. Yeah, so fun. I'll be sitting right here the rest of the day. Just waiting. Just waiting. Until we turn the cameras back on.
I'm going to hit end broadcast and then I'm going to sit here and then I'm going to hit go live. And that's all I'm going to do today. It's the weekend. Do it up. Oh, wait, I don't have to wait yet. I can, I can talk right now. We're still we can on. Hang out. <laughs> you guys have a great Saturday afternoon. Everyone out there, hang out. Have a good afternoon. Enjoy some Sunset Lake CBD. Mm-hmm. Utilize cash or trade to purchase and sell your tickets. And we will see you all a little bit further down the road. Have a good one, guys. Bye, everyone. Lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yes, rock everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!